Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm hearing that, yeah. <laughs> All right, great to be with you this morning, both here at Bensville, at Tumby, uh, at home. And I just need to start with a shout out to my brother-in-law, Josh, who gifted me with this beautiful shirt for Christmas. Yeah. Yes, it's pretty good. I do like it. So um, we've got extra spotlights on just to <laughs> share the glow out into the room, which is great. Um, we have been looking over the last few weeks around what it means to be shaped for mission. And today is the last message in that series. And as Kev just mentioned, we're going to kick into something fresh in February before we do our focus launch at the beginning of March. And so the idea of mission, we've been talking about this for a while as a leadership team and, and we've been preaching on it for a few weeks now. And, and I've been thinking about this a, a fair bit. And I woke up um, probably last week with this um, phrase in my head that, that wouldn't go away. It's a phrase you're probably familiar with. Uh, looking around the room, I think most people just with the demographic would have some idea of this. Um, it's a phrase that uh, became pretty popular in the 60s and again with some recent movies. Check out on the screen what I'm talking about. Your mission, Jim, should you decide to accept it. Your, Your mission, Jim, should you decide to accept it. Your mission, should you choose 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 to accept it. So obviously we know that's from the TV show Mission Impossible and then the movies Mission Impossible. And what we want to talk about today is that mission is not impossible. Now the whole premise of those shows and those movies is that there is something so overwhelming that needs to be accomplished that it takes the elite of the elite to do it. It takes the special agent, it takes the one who's absolutely skilled in all the things that uh, you know you need to know that's not what we're talking about when we talk about being on God's mission because God's mission is for all of us it's not just for the special elite the special few and so in that phrase should you choose to accept it your mission should you choose to accept it always it always started every one of those tv shows every one of those movies it seems like there was an option not to accept the mission. Now, they all did, but there seemed like there was an option not to accept. And Kev just said before, we have a choice. We have a choice if our hearts are going to be troubled or not. We have a choice to push in and engage with God or not. We have a choice to be on His mission or not. It's a choice we make. And what we spoke about a couple of weeks ago is that when we go into the mission of God, when we arrange our lives to be about what God is about, which we have talked about heaps last year, that that is actually the good life, that is what life is all about, then we realise that it's not a solo mission. It's actually a mission with God. I want to remind you of this verse. So Jesus said to them again, this is just after he had risen from the dead, to his disciples, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you as my representatives. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. 
We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, that it's the Holy Spirit power in you that enables you to step into God's mission in the world. And that's a good thing. It's not a solo mission. So it's not only we do it with the power of God in us, but we do it with others as well. And if you read particularly Paul's letters in what we call the New Testament, so much of Paul's letters who are written to churches, to groups of people who are doing life together following Jesus, so much of his advice and his writing is about what it means to do that together. Check out what he said to the Philippians. At the start of chapter 2, he says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. When we look at that in the context of God's mission in the world, that we're actually called to do this not solo, not on our own, but with the power of the Holy Spirit in us and then together with the church, that we can be on God's mission in that way, it's actually a really beautiful picture. And we need one another to be on God's mission. Now, when I keep using this phrase, God's mission, I don't know what's coming to mind for you. But basically what I mean by that is God's mission is God's way to live life as a human being. And it's in relationship with Him and it's in relationship with others who know Him and then we exist together to be intentional that our lives are about letting other people have a revelation of who Jesus is. The church's mission in the world, my mission, your mission, is to let Jesus be known in the world around us. That there, that just that, that can be your life's purpose, your life's goal, your life's mission. And in this fray, in this passage here, are your hearts tender and compassionate? It's actually a love for others that will motivate us to step into God's mission. It's actually a love for others who do not yet know Jesus that will motivate us to shape our lives in such a way that God can use you and I to make Jesus known to those around us who do not yet know him. If that is not worth giving your life to, what is? Now, we have a choice in that. What's the alternatives? What is the alternative that our world throws up? If we're not going to give our life to following Jesus and making Jesus known, what are we giving our life to? And this is what we're giving our life to. We're giving our life to an accumulation of stuff, to having experiences, and to making it all about me. That's basically our options. We either make life all about me or we make life about being part of God's mission. They're our choices. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? If we are following Jesus, check this out in Matthew's Gospel. Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. A circuit, like he's on this, on this tour. 
And he taught in their meeting places and he reported kingdom news and he healed their diseased bodies and he healed their bruised and hurt lives. And when he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. Other translations would say he was filled with compassion. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples. How few workers on your knees and pray for harvest hands. Here's Jesus looking at just people in society around him and it's no different to the people in society around us today. And he's looking at them and he's going, they're just so aimless. Their lives are spent chasing something which just does not fulfill and does not last. Like sheep without a shepherd. And his heart, as he looked at these people, His heart was filled with compassion. And there's our motivation to step into God's mission. It's a heart of compassion for those who do not yet know Jesus. And then his command to his disciples, on your knees and pray that people would step into the mission of God and bring a harvest into his kingdom. So can I suggest we actually be obedient to that and we're going to take a moment now to pray for that very thing. Can I ask you just where you are, whether you're with us in the room, whether you're at home, can I ask just for for half a minute now to take a moment, and you might want to do this with others, you might want to do this just with yourself. If you want to pray out loud in this room, please go for it. But can we just spend 30 seconds now praying that God might even use you and I to reach out to those around us so it brings a harvest into his kingdom. Let's pray about that together. So Jesus, we ask you as your followers, as people who have been blessed with your living spirit, that we would be a people who have eyes to see those around us the way you see them, that you would break our heart for what breaks your heart, that you would give us the motivation, the desire, the ability to connect with people around us who do not yet know you so that you would have opportunity to reveal yourself. Our heart, God, is that people would experience what we have experienced and that is a life that is new, a life that has purpose and meaning, a life where there's hope and peace and love despite the circumstances around us and we want others to experience that. Would you use us for your glory to build your kingdom? Amen. Can I encourage you this week, maybe that can be something, if you have a prayer list or you have something that you pray for regularly, add that to it. And in in the scope of all this, I'm not going to stand here this morning and say to you, this is easy. To be on God's mission will actually cost us something. 
And we've got to be willing to pay the cost. Jesus speaks about that pretty clearly. There's a number of little parables he tells about the cost it takes to follow him, the cost it takes to live a life with God instead of a life for yourself. It's going to cost us something. There's a great passage where Jesus talks about this in John's Gospel. Check this out. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Those who love their life in this world are those who are living for themselves. It's about my experiences, my pleasure, my this, my that. It's all about me. I've, I've lived that life. Maybe many of you have lived that life. I actually found it was pretty unfulfilling. It actually reduces life to become really, really small. If all I'm doing is looking to my own needs, my own desires, my own wants, my own cares, then everything I'm doing is just channeled back here. It makes my world really small. And then I actually need other people to behaving in such a way to make all those things pleasant for me. It's not how we're designed to live. But if you are to give up, if you care nothing for your life in this world, is the phrase Jesus, Jesus uses, you will keep your life for eternity. There will be a, a, an essence to your life that is far beyond anything that we can experience in the here and now. It really is a great invitation. So mission will not only cost us, at times it will be really inconvenient. There'll be times when you will want to just be putting all your time and attention and care to yourself and the call to be on God's mission is, no, let's turn that towards others. Paul gives some great advice to the Galatians. Check this out. He says, Let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap if we do not give in. So then, while we as individual believers have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, not only being helpful, but also doing that which promotes their spiritual well-being. I love that phrase. And especially be a blessing to those of the household of faith. Especially be a blessing to those who already have a faith, those you are doing life with, those in your church family. Let's start there because when we start there, then people who are not yet part of a church family and not yet part of um, God's kingdom, they will look at people who are the church, part of God's family, and see how that interaction happens and go, that's attractive, I want to be part of that. There's something about what's happening in those relationships with those people that that's what I'm looking for, that others focused. Love it. So mission actually aligns us with God's heart. Mission aligns us to be followers of Jesus. Mission aligns us with the Spirit's work in this world. That's what God is about. That's His plan A for the world. He doesn't have a plan B. The plan A is the church to do God's mission in the world. And God's mission in the world is that people would come to know Him. 
I hope you're not sitting there right now thinking, man, this sounds daunting, how will I do this? What I hope you're hearing is, this is just a way to live. It's a way to live with God expressing himself in me and through me. It's just a way to live, to surrender myself and say, God, would you use this thing in this beautiful shirt? Would you use this thing for your glory? You don't have to have a beautiful shirt on for God to use you. (laughs) Paul really got this. As we continue in chapter 2 of Philippians, we saw something just before. As we continue... He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, and he's talking about the church in Philippi obeying the things he said to do in terms of following Jesus, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Did you get that? Please don't miss that. It is God who works in you through the indwelling Holy Spirit and through our ability to surrender to the Spirit's leading in our life. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose, His mission in the world. So to work out your salvation, we are not saying you have to work for your salvation. You don't have to earn your salvation. It is a free gift. Maybe this will help us understand this a bit more. To work out your salvation, continue to work it out. That is, cultivate it, bring it to full effect, actively pursue spiritual maturity with awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. That's what Paul means by working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Take it seriously. We are not working to earn God's favour. Please don't hear that. But in response to God's favour, in response to God's salvation, we're saying we're not staying where we are. We are going to grow in this. We're going to mature in this. We're going to be mindful that we represent Christ everywhere we go. So what we do in those everywhere we go places, we're going to be thinking about it. We're going to be intentional about it. And we will stuff up. We will make mistakes. We will get it wrong. Well, I, I do. Okay, I won't speak for you. I stuff up. I get it wrong. I make mistakes all the time. But God in His grace and His forgiveness just says, come on, let's keep going. I'm with you in this. See, when we truly understand that God will empower us to do what He calls us to do, we can say yes to mission. The second part of that, check this out. For it is not your strength, but it is God. Who, works effect, who, who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work. That is strengthening, energising and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfil your purpose for His good pleasure. So it's this, this position of just surrendering, saying, God, would you use me? Would you use me? 
for your purpose in this world. Now, saying yes to this by default, just by the way things work, saying yes to this means we're saying no to other things. Just like when I got married and I said my vows to Tanya, saying yes to Tanya meant I was saying no to every other woman in this world. I don't know if I realised that at the time, but I'm glad that's the case. When we say yes to something, we are saying no to other things. So, I don't know about you, but I've noticed that saying yes to God is not my natural default position. My natural default position is to say yes to me and my wants, and my desires, and my needs. So how do we step into a life, and let's not even look at a life, let's look at how do we step into to, to today. How do we step into today, to, 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 to today, without making it all about me? And I started thinking about that, and I thought, Have you ever noticed how many questions little kids ask? I don't know if you've ever noticed it. If you've got toddlers around the house, one of the common ones they'll ask over and over is why. But kids ask a lot of questions. So I started doing a little bit of just researching this and there's a lot of studies that have shown that your question asking goes from a really high level to really, really minimal the older you get for most people. And some studies said that kids, you know, two to five years old, may ask up to 200 questions a day, whereas the average adult may ask two. Kids ask lots of questions. And so it got me thinking, is there a question we could ask God every day that would help us align with being on His mission? Is there a question... And so with that in mind, a passage of Scripture just sort of popped. And there was a phrase that popped, and I'm going, oh, I've heard that somewhere. I don't know where it is, so I started looking for it. And I found it in Romans chapter 8, a passage many of you might be familiar with. And this works for me. I don't know about you, but I'm going to throw it out there just to see how it lands. If it sticks, great. If not, keep searching for yourself. But what could be a question we ask that helps us align with being on God's mission moment by moment, day by day? And this is what popped for me out of Romans chapter 8. In the message it says, So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent. I don't know what a red cent is, but anyway. (laughs) There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? That's the bit that popped for me. God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. 
We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And that just jumped out at me. Imagine for me, this is what I was imagining for me, imagine for you, that just having a mindset, whether it's this question or another one, that moment by moment, day by day, you're just realising we are doing life with God. He is leading us. He is with us. He speaks through us. His presence is with us so that others can experience His presence and His peace and His comfort and His love and His faithfulness and all those beautiful things. And just have the mindset to be saying to God regularly, what's next? What are we doing next? Where do you want me next? Who's the next person to engage with? What do I do in that next meeting? How do I love that person I'm with? What do I do at home this evening with my spouse or with my kids or with my parents? What's next? How do you want to use me? For me, it's just simple and I need something simple. To say, I'm going to be on God's mission for the rest of my life, I don't know what that actually looks like day by day. But I do know that moment by moment I can just say, God, you're with me, what's next? What are we doing next? Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is achieved by just surrendering to God and saying, God, I'm yours, use me. Use me for your glory, for your purpose, in the place where you have placed me. So if you are at home with your kids, that is the place where you are on mission with God. That is the place where God is saying to you, for these years, for this time, for this season, I'm going to use you to instill a foundation into your kids' lives about who I am and how I love them. If you're at work, you're an employee or an employer, there's that sense of, God, can you just use me in this workplace to represent you well, to love people the way you love, to be available, to bring revelation of who you are and what you've done? Would you just use me in that? In your school, in your classroom, with the people you sit next to in class and say, God, here I am today. Will you use me? Will you use my words, my actions, my responses in a way that just draws people to you? And you know what? I think when we ask those things, he will do it because that's his heart. His heart is that people would come to know him and see him. And the funny thing is, he uses people like you and I to do it. Who would have thought? And I'm going to give you some homework. I could spend a bit of time on this, but I won't. So with this idea of mission and with this idea of daily stepping into just presenting yourself to be available to God, I then read the Lord's Prayer with this mindset of being on mission and it just, it just opened up my eyes to this new, new way to pray. Now, God, Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer as a framework to help us structure our prayer. 
And can I encourage you, check out the Lord's Prayer with this mindset of being on God's mission and see if it doesn't reshape the way you could pray and the way it might encourage you to pray. Let me pray for us as we wrap up. So Father God, I thank you that you are a God who is with us. You are a God who wants to do life with us. You are a God who wants us to have the best kind of life possible. And because of all of that, you have made a way for that to happen. Jesus, through your life, your teaching, your death and your resurrection, you have made it possible to be in that beautiful relationship with God. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your indwelling presence. Our prayer as individuals and as your church is that we would surrender. We would surrender our lives and give them to you and say, would you use us for your glory and for your purposes so that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Would you take us as we are? Would you mould us? Would you shape us to be agents for you? who choose moment by moment, day by day, to be mindful and intentional about being on your mission in this world with you. Amen. As the band lead us now in a, 